Hello, everybody. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I am your host, Michael Lombardo, and I'm grateful for another day to be with each and every one of you today. I'm going to be starting a new series. Um, For those of you who are familiar with Awaken Podcast, you know that twice a week, every Monday and Thursday through the Charisma Podcast Network, shows are released, new shows are released. Um, Most of the time, it's interviews with incredible anointed people from all over the world. Um, and other times it's a teaching show where I share revelation where it's just me and I break down the scriptures. And so, um, I, I had a couple series in the past and I want to get into a new series here today, um, entitled the supernatural power of grace. And I'm going to be pulling a lot of this content from my book, immersed in his glory that was released in January, 2018, immersed in his glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. You can get hold of that on Amazon and, and elsewhere, but This is a subject that I feel is vital in the body of Christ. You know, several years ago, there was a massive wave of teaching on the grace of God. A lot of it was beautiful. It was pure. It was authentic. And then there was also the imbalances, you know, and there was a lot of different effects. There was some negative effects and there were some very positive effects as well. People really grabbing hold of the grace of God, getting set free from condemnation, shame, guilt, legalism, you know, stepping out of that legalistic system of church and, and kind of, you know, different legalistic, um, theologies, etc. And then, you know, people actually walking in true authentic freedom. And then there was the people that took it to the other extreme of saying that, Hey, because I'm under grace, I could do whatever I want. I could sin to my little heart's content. And so there was a lot of teaching on grace. And there was also a lot of counter teaching where people were trying to bring that balance. And so in my book about experiencing God's presence, I talk a lot about grace because grace is a huge factor, especially in my life regarding walking with the Lord, hearing his voice, having continual fellowship with him, you know, living at peace, living at rest, you know, having encounters with the Lord. When we have a grace paradigm, the supernatural becomes um, a lot more um, continuous, you know, something that takes place in our life on a regular basis. And so the name of this series is the supernatural uh, power of grace, the supernatural power of grace. And today, really what I want to do, it's not going to be a long podcast. What I really want to do today is just define grace and kind of break that down a little bit for you guys, okay? Because unfortunately, many people view, view grace as only the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I have grace because I'm forgiven. You know, I'm forgiven by God, grace, grace, grace. And as a result, grace is spoken of merely as an entryway to salvation, and not the power that we need to daily reign in life through Christ. And so grace is not a license to sin. That gets thrown around a lot. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is our freedom from sin. Grace doesn't only bring us forgiveness of sins, but it eradicates the very entity of sin that once dominated our hearts. I hope that makes sense. And so I'm going to read a scripture here. And, you know, through the series, we're going to be breaking down a lot of scriptures for you. But how does the Apostle Paul define God's grace? Since he is the Apostle of grace, he preached this message very clearly, very boldly as you read through his epistles. He's always talking about the grace of God that we've received in Christ. And so what does the Apostle Paul say about grace? He is honored as the grace apostle. So what does he have to say about it? So I'm going to read you a scripture here. This is out of Titus 2, 11 through 14, the book of Titus, the book of Titus 2, 11 through 14, excuse me. And it goes like this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And Christ Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession 
zealous for good deeds. And so there's a lot of scriptures that talk about grace, but in this particular scripture, the apostle Paul is speaking about the effect of grace, the purpose of grace. He said, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Okay, he's talking about salvation, um, the forgiveness of sins, that we are saved by grace. But he also said, it also is a teacher. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In Christ Jesus, he said, he gave himself to redeem us. His redemption, his grace being poured out and lavished on us was to redeem us from every lawless deed. Why? Because lawless deeds destroy our lives and he loves us. He doesn't want us broken. He doesn't want us hurting. He doesn't want us addicted. He doesn't want us screwing up our families and our relationships. He cares about us. That's why he came to set us free by grace from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And grace, it says here, makes us zealous to do good, zealous for good works, to live a healthy life, a wholesome life, a life of love, a life of, a life of peace and grace and mercy. And so now the Apostle Paul, he teaches here that grace instructs us to live godly. So furthermore, he says um, that grace makes us zealous for good works. Okay, so the Strong's Concordance, and I, I love this definition of grace, But the Strong's Concordance defines grace as the divine influence of God upon the human heart, which has its reflection in the life. I want to read that one more time. The Strong's Concordance defines grace as the divine influence of God on our heart, on the human heart, which has reflection in our life which means the grace of God influences our heart. It's something supernatural as the spirit of God, the presence of God imparting grace into our hearts. And because we receive his grace, it empowers us to live a holy life in him. It reflects upon how we live our life, how we view life, how we speak to others, how we do things, how we make our decisions. All right, so everyone who has received the grace of God will reflect evidence of internal change by the Holy Spirit through his or her lifestyle. They're not going to be perfect, of course. I'm not perfect. I'm not flawless in action in everything I do and everything I say. No one is. But we'll soon begin to exhibit true Christ-likeness as it's being formed within us. Okay? So it's it's a process. <laughs> we daily receive grace, and we daily grow out of our old customs, our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing things, and we begin to adapt and walk in the holy life that God has created for us. His seed of holiness is inside of us. Our desires are now His desires. We begin to walk it out and flesh it out. We're not going to be perfect. We're still going to make mistakes. We're going to need mercy every single day. But grace empowers us to begin to live like Jesus. Grace doesn't say, brother, don't judge me for sleeping with my girlfriend, you know, all all is grace. That's not grace. That's dumb. Okay. If you truly know in your heart, all that Jesus did for you to be free from sin, you would never want to touch it again. Every time I encounter the love of God, every time I see a new picture of who he is, every time I encounter his grace, something happens inside of me. New desires are birthed, a love for him and righteousness and a hatred for wickedness fills my heart. And it's, we begin to think like him, live like him. This is very, very important. Grace longs to fully reflect the nature of God. Grace is our divine empowerment to live in the natural ways of God. I want to break down Matthew 5 because I want to talk a little bit about heart transformation by the grace of God. So in Matthew 5, Jesus taught on the law and he highlighted the commandments of do not commit adultery, uh, do not murder. 
along with others. And under the old covenant, you were an offender if you outwardly disobeyed the Ten Commandments. Okay. However, Jesus took it to a whole nother level by teaching that if you even hate your brother or if you lust after another woman in your heart, you're guilty of committing those same sins, murder and adultery. Okay, that's that's pretty intense. You can't even think about it without committing it, okay? And so Jesus's goal in this sermon was not to condemn us for our thought processes, but Jesus's goal in this sermon was to reveal that the law commanded us to live holy lives, yet it had no power to change the sinfulness that lived within our hearts. Sin begins in the heart and it spills over into sinful actions. So to stop us from sinning, he would have to effectively remove sin from within us, cleanse sin within us and make us pure from the inside out for us to begin to live the kind of life that he's called us to live. The law just tells us what to do and in our own strength and abilities, we have to muster up the power, the desire, the drive, the strength to do it in our own abilities. But if that's the case, then glory to us, not glory to Jesus, because we can do it on our own without his empowerment. But now the grace of God comes into our hearts, strips away sinfulness, cleanses us from the inside out. And now the spirit of God gives us empowerment in our hearts that reflects in our lifestyle. (laughs) That's good. So I'm going to read you another scripture. It's in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel saw into new covenant, into this new covenant. He had prophetic eyes to see the new covenant before it was ever enacted. And he penned these words for us to read. So this is Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27. I absolutely love this because you see um, even new covenant realities under the old covenant in the Old Testament. And so the prophet Ezekiel said this, um, he's, he's prophesying right now. So this is the, the, the words of the Lord. He said, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. I will cause you to walk on my statutes. You'll be careful to observe my ordinances by his power because he will cleanse us from the inside out. He will give us a new heart. This is a picture of new covenant realities. You know, a day was coming when sin would be eternally washed away and God's creation would be thoroughly cleansed from the inside out. And that day is here when you trust in Jesus and you place your life in his all-encompassing arms. Something supernatural happens on the inside of you a Holy Spirit heart surgery. God removes your stony heart that was unresponsive to him and corrupted by sin's deceitfulness. And he gives you a brand new heart that is sensitive to him. One that loves righteousness and hates wickedness. That's Psalm 45, seven, the very heart of Jesus. That may explain why you can't sin without a clean conscience, you know, uh, like you used to. You know, when you used to sin, you used to not think about it. But now your conscience is tweaked. Maybe it's because the Holy Spirit lives in the inside of you and you have a brand new heart and the Holy Spirit is now guiding you and showing you the right way to do things and the wrong way of doing things, trying to guide you away from those things. Sin is a violation to the newness of life you've been given. Your old nature is removed and you've become a partaker of the divine nature. That's 2 Peter 1.4. And you are now one with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. I'll just share with you for a few minutes here. You know, after I encountered the Lord and was born again, my internal desires began to drastically change. It wasn't something that I mustered up. wasn't something that I strived into. It was something 
that my internal desires began to change as I encountered his presence and as he spoke to me through his word and as he spoke to me throughout the day. You know, drug addiction fell off of me immediately, which I'm very, very grateful for. But other nagging sins took a little bit more time, you know, but the spirit of grace started to teach me personally how to live a godly life in this present age. Yo, no one told me to repay thousands of dollars that I stole from family and friends to feed my addictions. Nobody told me. A pastor didn't tell me. My parents didn't tell me. No one even knew that I stole money from people, okay, because I did it so well. But thousands of dollars I took from family members and friends. But the spirit of grace, as I was in the presence of God, as I was reading the word of God, the spirit of the Lord began speaking to me and giving me new desires. The spirit of grace began to spring up on the inside of me for my new nature. And then I felt compelled. I felt um, motivated and compelled to pay everyone back that I stole money from. And that's exactly what I did. Because when you stop doing drugs, you have a lot more money than you did originally. Because you're not spending money on drugs all the time. So I was working and I was saving money. And I began giving that money back that I stole from individuals, families, and friends. Likewise, no preacher told me to stop cursing. And by no, and my, and my new spirit was not comfortable with it anymore. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Okay. Because I was around buddies of mine. No one said you got to stop cursing. Cursing's bad or whatever, but I was around people dropping the F bomb every five seconds, the constant language. And it just didn't sit well with my spirit anymore. And so I said, okay, it doesn't feel good when I do this. So I'm not going to do it anymore. It wasn't a preacher telling me I had to. I had, you know, I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that. It was a spirit of God on the inside of me instructing me. It's a spirit of grace. The fellowship, I had fellowship with the Lord and the spirit of grace inside of me was, it just wasn't sitting well with me. It's a Lord telling me this isn't you. This isn't who I created you to be. So there's just so many, on top of that, you know, no one told me I needed to apologize to girls that I used, you know, in my, in my previous life you know, from sleeping around and just using them. But I felt in my heart, in my prayer time, in my time in the word, my time with the Lord, I had this idea. I had this desire to sit down with certain girls and to tell them, listen, you're not a piece of meat. You're a child of God. You're loved by the Lord. You're special. I shouldn't have treated you this way. Shouldn't have just used you. And then I would share the gospel with them and I would tell them about Jesus and what he did in my life. And a few of them got saved because of it. A few of them began to cry because no one ever said those kind of words to them. Like, again, no preacher told me to do it. And I'm not against teaching and preaching. I'm a preacher myself. But what I'm saying is it was the Lord on the inside of me, the spirit of grace instructing me like in Titus to live a godly life in this present time because it brings life to people. It brings life. So grace isn't focused on our outward obedience. Grace is focused on the condition of our heart. If Jesus can reach our heart, the outcome will be a changed way of living. Simple as that. Grace is a covenant of heart transformation, not performance orientation. I'm going to say that again. Grace is a covenant of heart transformation, not performance orientation. The law was written on stones and it said obey or else. But grace comes into our hearts. And now the law is now written in our hearts, woven into our desires, teaching us to live godly, teaching us to hate wickedness and to love righteousness and live a holy life. It's now on the inside of us, teaching us how to walk it out and live it. It becomes one with us. We allow the Lord to transform us, minister to our hearts, speak to our hearts. And then that's where we receive the power to overcome and to do what we need to do in this life. I heard a story. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I'm going to end with this. I heard a story about a young guy struggling with homosexuality. He grew up in the church, 
And, um, you know, a lot of legalism in the church. He was, you know, he started doing missions at a young age. He was real zealous and he was almost trying to prove himself to God and struggle with homosexuality to himself. And almost he wanted to get over it. And, uh, and then he eventually got beat down by the church, couldn't get over his desires. And, uh, and, um, he just said, you know what? Forget this. He left the church diving into his lifestyle hundred percent, living with his boyfriend, et cetera. And then he just wasn't happy ever a period of years. It happens to a lot of us, you know, after a period of years, you're just not happy anymore. You know, there's a lot going on in life and you know, your heart, you feel a little bit empty on the inside. And so he felt like the Lord was speaking to him, but he was mad at God. He was like, Hey, so what, so you're, so you're trying to speak to me. What, what do you want me to give up my lifestyle, homosexuality? What do you want me to do? You want me to preach a gospel and do missions and I got to stop doing this and stop doing that. Or you're going to send me to hell. And he would have arguments with God. And he felt like every time God would just say, no, that's not what I want. I want your heart. And then he kept pushing back. So what do you want? So what are you going to send me to hell? What are you going to do this? What are you going to do that? Just argue with God based on his experience in church, the words of maybe the preacher or the teacher in his brain that did not come from the heart of God. And he would just, and then Jesus would continually say to him, no, I just want your heart. I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop anything that you're doing. I just want your heart. And after a period of time, I don't remember. It's a, it's a, a story I heard a long time ago. But I remember hearing the story, and after a period of time, he just broke down and said, fine, Jesus, you can have my heart. If, you're, if you don't want to change me, if, you don't, if you're not trying to take away everything or whatever, I just, I just need you. And he opened up his heart, and the love of God filled this man's heart. He felt the tangible love of God in the presence of God. And he began, I remember he said, after that encounter and several encounters after that, as I would go to the Lord and turn to the Lord, slowly but surely, he began to not want to live that lifestyle anymore. He began to want to do things differently, want to share the gospel with people around him and share like, hey, God delivered me from this and that. And so it was in that encounter where the Lord is saying, listen, I'm not trying to take all these things away from you and send you to hell and do all this different stuff and force you to do, read your Bible and go on missions trips or whatever. I just want your heart. And when this guy opened up his heart and the Lord poured his love and his grace into this guy's heart, he stopped having desires. He got set free from that, from that lifestyle, from the homosexual lifestyle. And he began just wanting to do certain things that were, you know, it's amazing because the grace of God empowers our identity. You know, so many people have an identity crisis. You know, we think we're one way, another way. We try different things. We try to find out who we are, but God created us. And so the Lord knows who we are more than we know who we are. And so as we allow the grace of God to pour into our heart, new desires begin to spring up. And honestly, it's desires that Hey, listen, it's how God created us. It's the purpose and, and, and the direction that he's wanted us to go and that he predestined us for. And so our life begins to change from the inside out. And the reason why I share this is because, like I said, grace is a covenant of heart transformation, not performance orientation. More than trying to change our behavior and make us act good and go to church and put on a show and do all the Christian stuff, God is wanting our hearts. And that's what this grace of God is all about. And so I'm going to end here. Um... Tune in next time. This is part one of a series that I'm doing called The Supernatural Power of Grace. And so tune in next time and I'll get into part two, probably be a three or four part series here. And so next week uh, there'll be an interview and you'll have several interviews in between, you know, within this series. But um, it's always, it's, I'm always having a great time with you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into Awaken Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. So this can get out to more people to be encouraged, blessed, strengthened um, by the gospel of our Lord Je Jesus Christ. Bless you guys. And talk to you next time on Awaken Podcast. 
Hey guys, Michael Lombardo here. Uh, just quickly, I just want to make a resource available to you. I wrote a book released with Destiny Image Publishers called Immersed in His Glory, a supernatural guide to experiencing and abiding in God's presence. My desire is for you to get to know the Lord in a experiential way, to break every barrier to experience God's presence in your everyday life. I've met people all over the world that are just hungry to know Him, but just don't know how to get there, don't know how to experience Jesus in a deeper way. You know, what keeps you from encountering Him in a greater way? Do you feel unfit to enter His presence? Do you feel stuck? Maybe you worry that you don't know enough to meet with God. Every human being is hardwired with a need for intimacy with God. When this need isn't met, we search elsewhere and we find ourselves broken and unfulfilled. But connecting with God is of utmost importance. And in this book, I'm just inviting you to experience this vital union with the Holy Spirit that is greater than you have ever imagined. A continuous fellowship with God where a lifestyle of miracles, visions, visions, encounters becomes normal. All right, so in this book, you learn how to be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You could also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org. LifePortOutintl.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on Amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so, bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.